your positive, positive, positive imprint. 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 Stories are everywhere. People and their positive action inspire positive achievements. Your PI could mean the world to you. Get ready. For your positive imprint. Hello, this is Catherine, your host of the Variety Show, Your Positive Imprint. I am sitting outside in the pitch dark, hoping to record some elk bugles. They were bugling earlier, but not now. I was hoping to record those calls for you. Well, on my episode today, I am featuring the world-renowned Ina Braverman. She is CEO and co-founder of EcoWave Power. During this episode, we were experiencing some sound quality issues. So I am making available the transcript for this episode on my website, yourpositiveimprint.com. Your Positive Imprint. What's your PI? Hello, this is Catherine, your host of the podcast, Your Positive Imprint, the variety show featuring people all over the world whose positive achievements inspire positive actions and thought. Music by the talented Chris Knoll. Check out his music and learn more about him at chrisknoll.com, C-H-R-I-S-N-O-L-E.com. You can also listen to his music on Spotify and Pandora. Well, a quick update regarding past guest 15-year-old activist Sydney Steenland of the Sea Monkey Project continues cleanup in the seas and beaches all over Southeast Asia. They're making totally rad and awesome snazzy upcycled items such as backpacks, tote bags, and hip bags. Bags from pollution that's been removed and reused from upcycled items such as boat sails, kite sails, fishing nets, rope, seat belts. Their tagline, fair winds and plastic-free seas. Visit seamonkeyproject.com. You can also listen to episode 82, Plastic-Free Seas, the Sea Monkey Project, to learn more about their phenomenal global work. Well, follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Your Positive Imprint. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Visit my website, yourpositiveimprint.com. You can also subscribe and follow my show from your favorite podcast platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, or of course, simply your favorite podcast platform. Don't forget to hit those five stars. And remember, this is a free podcast, Your Positive Imprint. What's your PI? Echo Wave Power. What is this? Well, it's changing our world as we speak. Basically, it is a smart and cost-efficient technology for turning ocean and sea waves into green electricity. EchoWave Power generates clean energy from the ocean. And their hard work and amazing positive imprints won them the international recognition as a recipient of the United Nations Momentum for Change Global Climate Action Award. Furthermore, my guest today is the founder and CEO of this amazing company, Echo Wave Power. Ina Braverman impacts sustainable energy policies and is accelerating the transition to renewable energy. She is a phenomenal global positive imprint for women entrepreneurs, environmentalists, and, well, a positive imprint for our planet. Ina was born in the Ukraine and has a story to tell which, for me, is a connection to some of the work that I have done in the past regarding the Ukraine. And I am just so excited to have Ina Braverman here on the show. Ina, welcome to Your Positive Imprint. Thank you very much. I'm very glad to be here. 
Oh, I'm I'm very excited. You have such an extensive background of tales and and discovery, which is so exciting, and I am anxious to have you share so much. I'd like, first of all, again, to welcome you to the show, and I think you are over in Israel right now. Uh, yes, I am, in Tel Aviv. It's, the sound is coming in a little bit uh, blurred, but I think it'll be, it'll be good. It'll be okay. I'd like to kind of go back to your birthplace and kind of start there in the Ukraine, because you have an amazing story to tell of your life starting out. Uh, yes, so uh, I was born in uh, Ukraine, in a small city in Ukraine, in uh, 1986. And uh, two weeks after I was born, the Chernobyl nuclear reactor exploded, uh, which was the worst in history nuclear disaster in terms of cost and casualties. And uh, there were many people that were hurt uh, due to this explosion. Uh, even I saw a study that 95% of the newborn babies in Belarus uh, were born with different types of uh, health issues and problems because of the explosion. And uh, I was one of the babies that uh, was impacted by the negative effects of such explosion. Uh, I guess that it was due to the pollution in the air. Uh, I got a respiratory arrest breathing and uh, a clinical death and uh, luckily my mother a nurse uh, she approached my crib on time and she saw that I was completely pale and you know not breathing and no pulse and um, because she was a nurse she was able to give me a mouth-to-mouth resuscitation and in time and actually save my life uh, I was a lucky baby but many children and adults were not as lucky and uh, uh, there were very negative. There was very negative impact to the Chernobyl explosion, and uh, I think that growing up with such a background story is really what instilled in me the motivation to, you know, give something back, give something good to the world uh, by uh, developing or helping the development of a renewable energy technology, uh, wave energy, which is a huge renewable energy source uh, to replace some of the more dangerous uh, energy generation technologies. Oh, absolutely. What an experience for your mom. And I commend you for wanting all of your life to give back to a community, to a world, global community, obviously, thanks you, because this is something that is an incredible incredible engineering feat that you have started here. And I just want to mention my connection with the Ukraine and Chernobyl. So I sat on the board here in the United States of an organization called Children of Chernobyl. And what we did, we brought over children who were involved in close proximity, like yourself, of, of the Chernobyl explosion. And we brought them in a couple of years after, and the government worked with us, or I don't know about the government, but the org other organizations in Chernobyl worked with us to identify kids who might have uh, cancer. And so we brought them over here to take all sorts of MRIs and whatnot so that we could see if they had cancer due to the explosion, and then they would get treatment here in the United States. 
So that was a way that our country, at least well, through a nonprofit, could help the children of Chernobyl because it was kind of a tight secret there, which is also part of your story, is that Sweden was one that discovered what was happening there and let the world know. It's amazing that you're that passionate about, uh, you know, doing good things because I'm sure that the work that you did with the Ukrainian children uh, have significantly contributed to their lives in a positive way. And the work that you're doing, as I said, the work that you're doing with this podcast also is very, you know, admirable. And uh, it sounds like, you know, you're a very caring and passionate person. And that's great to see people like this. That's why, uh, that's why I think it was uh, like uh, in July 2019, our company became the first uh, Israeli company to ever list on the Nasdaq Stockholm in Sweden. And for me, and that was a part of my IPO speech, uh, that was a very, very touching moment because it's kind of that, uh, you know, uh, I meet Sweden once again. Uh, the first time it was when they actually notified the world about uh, the explosion and by doing so actually saved many lives. And then also uh, the Swedish people are uh, the majority of the investors that invested in that IPO and I get a chance to kind of, uh, you know, maybe give back by bringing there an innovative uh, wave energy technology is a very nice uh, kind of closure for me. Oh, absolutely. What a lifelong, though, connection with those events and your turn of, of changing what we have going for the future here for planet Earth. And now from your experience in Ukraine, you moved on and obviously you did some schooling to prepare you for, <laughs> for this phenomenal entrepreneurship and, and engineering future. So what was, what was your schooling? So actually, I don't come from uh, this background. Uh, my family is very engineering oriented. My father is an engineer and my grandfather used to be the main engineer of the town uh, where we lived in Ukraine. But I chose to pursue a different, let's call it, studying path. Uh, I actually studied um, political science and English language and literature in Haifa University in Israel. And um, I decided to go into studying political sciences because obviously as a child growing up uh, with a, such a strong background story, uh, I had the desire to do something good, to, you know, to somehow positively impact the world. And I thought, uh, growing up, I thought the best way to do it is through politics, because the good political leaders, good political leaders, of course, they can influence uh, the world, their communities, their countries for the best. Uh, unfortunately, there was like I always say, there was no lineup of politicians that uh, were waiting you to, to hire somebody that just finished their studies. <laughs> and I kind of, you know, started uh, to look for a job because you're already 20-something years old when you finish university. You need to start, you know, doing something with your life. And the first job that I found uh, through an ad in the internet was an English uh, Hebrew translator in a renewable energy company. And uh, uh, I think that's really opened for me the understanding about uh, the importance of renewable energy. And the, the most important thing for me was the understanding that uh, although solar uh, 
and way solar and wind uh, industries are already packed with competition. There's many, many companies already that are doing a great job in commercializing uh, solar and wind. The wave energy uh, sector was always viewed as like super high potential sector, but it struggled to commercialize. So there were a lot of huge companies with many employees and financial resources and human resources and all type of available resources but they were not able to commercialize wave energy technology and me being very young 24 years old when i actually co-founded eco wave power i thought to myself you know we call it the israeli chutzpah i said okay all these people have this money the connections the human resources any type of resources that uh, you need they can do it but maybe i will be able to do it and kind of on that note uh, david and i uh, established the eco wave power well, that is an incredible story and such a, a neat path in getting there with your experiences with renewable energy companies and, of course, your schooling in, in poli-sci, as we say here, but political science, which is my area. I was political science and communications, which brought me to environmental lobbying. Now you have this phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal organization and let's just have you start with the the ground and the building of this company and how you came upon some of these advanced and innovative development that you have, which is pretty incredible. Uh, basically, uh, I started, I got really interested, as I said, in wave energy fields because I saw that there's kind of a race in the world and all the companies are trying to develop a commercially viable technology with no success. I started researching what it is that made them fail or not succeed in the path that they have taken. And um, David, my business partner on the other side of the world, uh, he's a serial entrepreneur. And uh, one of his uh, real estate investments was a surf camp in Panama. So he also was seeing the power of the waves through the surfers that were coming to this surf hotel. And they're thinking, wow, like there must be something better that can be done through the power of the waves uh, other than surfing, other than sports. And he also started researching uh, the field. He got his own ideas. Uh, I got my own ideas in Israel. And we actually met uh, completely accidentally in a social event. And uh, he told me about his ideas and I told him about mine. And it was quite rare to find somebody from a completely different part of the world having the same passion and having the same kind of desire uh, regarding wave energy as you do. And uh, on that note, we, we decided on the establishment of eco-wave power. Uh, both of us are not engineers, um, so we definitely had uh, to transform our ideas uh, from the theoretical sphere to the practical sphere. So I went back to Ukraine, to the same city where I was born, and actually held a competition between 300 engineers and chose a team of five that could really turn our idea from a theoretical concept to a practical idea. Uh, what we understood, uh, why our technology really is different from what uh, existed in the market and still exists in the market, is the fact that 99% of the competitors in uh, wave energy have chose to install offshore. Offshore means four or five kilometers into the sea. And when you're installing that far into the sea, uh, you face four big difficulties. Uh, one of them is the price of the systems. 
you need chips, you need divers, you need underwater mooring and underwater cables. And this is all, of course, very expensive and complicated for operation, maintenance and construction. Second of all, the reliability of offshore systems was quite low because uh, in the offshore you get waves of 20 meters and even higher. It's like tsunami waves. And uh, unfortunately, no man-made stationary equipment can survive the loads uh, caused by such uh, wave heights. So many of the previous generation of uh, offshore wave energy equipment have broken down after a few days or a few months of operation. Uh, insurance companies were afraid to insure it because of the high prices and the low reliability, which was not a good, uh, of course, uh, financing. And uh, the environmentalists, which were supposed to be the greatest proponents of wave energy, were actually objecting it because it created a new presence on the ocean floor, which disturbed the marine environment and changed the ecological balance. So we understood that in order to commercialize any type of wave energy technology, we need to first address those four challenges, which we did by changing completely the location of the equipment. Uh, we uh, install our floaters on existent man-made structures, such as piers, jetties, breakwaters, and other type of uh, man-made structures. Uh, most of our system is located on land. All the conversion units, the expensive part, the hydraulic and the electrical part are on land, just like a regular power station. And uh, when the waves are too high for the system to handle, the floaters automatically lift above the water level and they stay in the upward position until the storm passes. And when the storm passes, uh, they slowly uh, uh, commence operation uh, and safely commence operation. So basically, by doing this change, we were able to provide both reliability to the system, pro uh, prevent breakage. We were able to take care of the problem of very high prices of the offshore systems by not putting it offshore and really using a lot of off-the-shelf standard conversion equipment. Uh, it also made, of course, the operation and the maintenance and the service of the station much simpler. Uh, once we decreased the price of provided reliability, we didn't have any problem of getting uh, insurance from reputable insurance companies, even against storms. And the environmentalists are 100% environmentalists are supportive of the technology because we create zero new presence on the ocean floor. We don't even connect to the ocean floor. We only connect to the man-made structures, which are already not a natural not natural structures. There's something that is made from cement or from stone and it is created by, you know, mankind. Um, and these breakwaters, as the, you know, for themselves, they're already harmful for the environment because uh, the cities and the ports, they build these breakwaters because they need to protect the coastal communities and the ports uh, from storms. But it's not natural structures, so they do cause different type of um, natural... Uh, kind of negative effects. And uh, we're taking something that, you know, has a negative effect on the environment, these breakwaters and tears and jetty, and we turned it into a, turn it into a source of clean electricity. So at least by doing so, we both kind of mitigate the influence of that breakwater and also create something good from it. Producing green electricity, you're going to have to have these ginormous structures, which you don't. And it's absolutely innovative the way you've done this with the floaters mm -hmm. and so now the electricity how many people are you able to serve now worldwide with green electricity 
so basically, uh, the system, the good thing about the system, as you correctly said, is that it is very simple. It's simple, but it's a smart technology. I'll explain a little bit how it works. Uh, so, as I said, with the touch floaters, uh, different shapes and sizes and, uh, and the height of floaters for every location of implementation, because we want to have ideal production, so we customize our floaters. Uh, the floaters are going up and down with the movement of the waves, and they're pressing a hydro cylinder, which transmits biodegradable fluid into land-located accumulators. Uh, this fluid is creating pressure in the accumulators between uh, 60 bars to about 160 bars, depending on which uh, location we're working. The higher the wave, the higher the pressure, and the pressure is used to turn the hydro motor, which is turning the generator, which is transmitting the electricity to the grid via an inverter. And the whole system is controlled by a smart automation system that enables a smooth operation and smooth electricity supply into the grid. How much energy we can provide, it really depends on the length of the breakwater or the length of the structure that we have in our possession. Uh, so let's say on a good, in a good site where you have a standard size of a breakwater of around three and a half kilometers, we can install uh, about 50 megawatts, uh, which are around, let's say, uh, around between 36,000 to 50,000 households, which is quite amazing. The structure is already there, it's not used for anything, and we turn it into a sort of clean electricity. Not only that, another advantage for the community is that they install such uh, projects uh, is that it is also creating a new industry in, in the country, city, island, or location where we're doing it. It's creating new employment opportunities. So, except only having the clean electricity aspect as a positive aspect, you also have the community involvement, the creation of employment opportunities, the creation of uh, the industry, which is also an additional uh, benefit. My personal goal and desire is to have such a technology installed on every breakwater, pier, jetty, or any other type of marine structure that is existed, existent out there in the world, and you know, turn all these unused structures into a source of electricity. Clean electricity is something that is amazing in my eyes. So I would really like to see it expand and spread to wherever possible to developing countries, whereas developed and also developed countries to, to really see a global spread of, of the technology because it's really a win-win uh, solution um, for the world and for the actual location that implements the technology. Uh, I think that we will be in a good spot technology-wise when also there will be some sort of maybe policy making or legislation that will make it obligatory for every new breakwater or pier or marine structure that is being built around the world to already during the construction phase to incorporate a method for wave energy production from the structure because then it will even make our implementation process smoother and easier uh, we won't ha have to do any changes to the structure we, we won't have to invest as much money in the installation it will just be already incorporated from the planning and design phase which will be better for us, better for the client that is buying the power station or buying the electricity, and better for everybody. So I really think that, um, that the, the world will move uh, at a certain place to kind of natural incorporation of this technology into any type of structure, which will be an amazing uh, growth opportunity for the company. 
and another thing that I would like to see is that right now, as you said, wave energy, because it's so rare, it's a new type of technology, it's a new type of uh, harvesting of renewable energy, uh, it's considered very unique, it's considered very special. And I think that we will be in a good spot when it's no longer considered special. You know, when you can see it everywhere, it's installed in every port, in every city, in every island. Uh, uh, and then people uh, will get used to seeing this, exactly like with solar and with wind, you know, the first solar and wind energy uh, technologies, people were used to take, I remember many years ago, photos next to the wind fields because it was something very innovative. And we are kind of right now in the same stage uh, with wave energy. And I really think that a true stamp of, that will prove that the technology is commercialized and is widely distributed is when people will stop thinking it's special. They will say, wow, it's completely normal to have wave energy in my town or in my country. Then that would be an amazing progress for the industry. Oh, absolutely. And not just the industry, but as you said, for our Mother Earth, of course. Do you collect data as far as carbon footprints and so that you have things to show to climate change scientists or some of the oceanographers? Do you work with them? Uh, of course, uh, we collect data and uh, each of our power stations uh, comes with an automation system that among the technical uh, features that it is showing, it will be also showing uh, the actual uh, uh, emissions that are saved due to the clean energy production that we're doing with the power of the waves. So it's definitely an important feature for us and it's an important feature for our clients uh, to be aware of, to see that by producing some of their power or all their power from the power of the waves, they're doing good to the environment and they're saving uh, greenhouse gas emissions. Um, we are, of course, working very closely with the uh, oceanographers and the companies that provide uh, different types of uh, marine services, uh, including uh, for feasibility studies. For example, when we're examining a new site for installation, uh, we work with companies such as MetOcean uh, to provide us uh, how many kilowatts per meter of coastline there is in each specific location. So they're definitely a big part of our journey. Yeah, so this is just so spectacular. And I want to just mention this huge award because there were over 600 entries around the world who entered for the United Nations Momentum for Change Global Climate Action Award. And your company, your innovative technology, won, you were recognized, and you were one of the recipients of the award. What, what was United Nations looking for and how has that award moved you forward? Uh, so I think the United Nations were looking uh, for unique, innovative technologies that can really impact the world on a large scale. And I think definitely eco-wave powers, wave energy technology answers that definition. definition. Uh, another thing that I think that was important to the United Nations is to see female representation in the energy business. Because unfortunately, uh, most women don't choose to pursue the STEM sector, science, technology, engineering, mathematics. Uh, we see more males in these type of um, sectors. And uh, 
that the reason also that the category under which uh, I won this United Nations Award was under Women for Impact. Uh, oh, women yeah. World in a positive way. Uh, so I think it's a combination of both. Really, the United Nations wants to promote uh, gender equality, which is a very, very important SDG. And another thing that they want to promote is implementation of new renewable energy sources, which can help the world mitigate uh, climate change. And for me, this recognition was amazing because, of course, the United Nations is a very known and well-respected organization. And uh, when they give such a, you know, such a incredible recognition, it's amazing on a personal level and on the company level. Yeah, absolutely. And so now that you know, you brought up gender equality, which is obviously something very important in today's world. Well, it should be important all the time. But you are of course, a female entrepreneur, but you have been inspiring women with your talks, workshops, your thoughts, your actions. I mean, you are global. What are some of the inspiring words you can provide to women, not just women entrepreneurs, but female environmentalists, female activists around the world? So first of all, uh, like you said, uh, female empowerment, female entrepreneurship, female inclusion is something that is very important to me on a personal level. Because uh, I remember how when I was 24 and I opened the company, uh, I used to walk into conference room and uh, everybody were asking me for espresso instead of, uh, <laughs> instead wow. of actually, yeah, listening to, you know, to explanation about the technology because they were that sure that if there's a woman in the room, it's probably there is somebody's assistant. So I understand that it's not something that was, it, it, it didn't only happen to me. I'm sure it happened to many, many other women in different ways and forms all over the world. And the, whereas some women, they're able to say, you know, to kind of swallow their pride and say, okay, they don't take me seriously, but I'll still go ahead and pitch my idea. I can also imagine that many women would feel very, like, you know, would lose their confidence if something like this happened or outnumbered because mostly there are no other women in the room and they're sometimes the only woman in the room. So you can't even like, you know, look somewhere for support. Uh, so, <laughs> so I really, really think that that's something that needs to change, especially given the fact that according to the United Nations, uh, the population that is mostly hurt by the impact of climate change is women and children. So we are the ones that are being hurt the most, but we don't have a seat at the table, at the negotiation table. And that's something that is very, very sad and really needs to change. And as to, to female activists, uh, I would say that they're doing a great job uh, to keep their voices strong, not to give up uh, in every aspect of their ways, in every aspect of their life and especially in their renewable energy goals because this is something that uh, is important for us and for our children and for our children's children. Uh, the way that we leave the world for them will determine the way that they're going to live. So I really would like to just like encourage them and tell them not to give up and even if something negative happens or somebody doesn't take it seriously, they should still pursue their passion and, and their dreams. 
Oh, that is wonderful. That's awesome. You know, when you go and read on echo wave power, it is just an incredible, not, not just technology, but you took such care in making sure that, of course, keeping costs down, being able to get investors and insurance, but you also took such care in making sure that the environment is protected and that wildlife is still being preserved because those are important issues. Yeah, you're, you're just, your empowerment is such a positive imprint globally. What else did you want to share about Echo Wave Power? Uh, I think you did a very good research job. So we pretty much covered my personal life, my, uh, you know, my passion for renewable energy and for wave energy. And we covered also, uh, uh, you know, my view on reinforcing uh, women, uh, especially women in business and female entrepreneurs. So I, I do think that uh, your question kind of uh, covered uh, most of the subject. And maybe I can just add that uh, on a more technical level, uh, why wave energy is such an important resource is the fact that uh, according to the World Energy Council, wave energy can produce twice the amount of electricity that the world produces now. And that's from one single renewable energy source. So imagine what could happen, what positive impact we could have if we would install uh, wave energy in every suitable country and city in the world. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I agree. Ina Braverman, you're so wonderful. And thank you so much for sharing your positive imprints here on the show and all of this wonderful technology with regard to echo wave power. I, I just appreciate you so much. I would like to thank you, uh, not only for this interview and giving me the, you know, kind of the space, but also to thank you and people like you that are doing such podcasts or, uh, or you know, writing articles or, or exposing the technology on TV because you're really helping to create awareness to this type of technologies and to different types of innovation, which also makes a very significant positive change. Absolutely. So, Ina, how can people learn more about the company or if there are investors out there, any information that you can provide? So, uh, people are more than welcome to visit our website at uh, ecowavepower.com. They're also more than welcome to send us an email at info at ecowavepower.com and uh, we will be glad to provide explanations and more details about the technology. Uh, and other interesting and relevant information. Wonderful. Well, thank you for that. Well, Ina Braverman, you are changing, and I love this on your website, you are changing the world one wave at a time. Thank you very much. Ina Braverman, thank you so much for being here on Your Positive Imprint. Your Positive Imprint. What's your PI?